Now, this next session tackles the necessity of broadband availability. The need for reliable and available broadband access has never been clearer than it has been during this pandemic. With virtual working and learning becoming the norm. Please welcome back Jack Stringsinger, I got it right that time, the state broadband coordinator, Tim Baker, the city of Newberry's utility director, and David Eldridge, the city of Newberry's assistant utility director, and Matt DeWitt, the city manager of Newberry. These experts will discuss the ins and outs of broadband availability and the city's role in facilitating these resources. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I am, it's a real honor to be here. And um, I'm really glad so many people have remained, <laughs> especially the beautiful weather outside and everything else. But I, I want to, um, I know this topic is really important. Um, Broadband's a big deal. I know your phones are ringing off the hook. I have so much respect for all of you and the work that you do and the leadership you provide to your communities. And my goal today is to share some insight on this topic, um, maybe share some resources, and um, hopefully talk about a little bit of money we might have. And I know you would all love to know more about that. So let me dig into this topic a little bit. And you'll notice I have an interesting title to my slide deck, and I want to give you a little background. Um, I'm going to take you to church for a minute, and if you'll indulge me, in 1940, a farmer stood up in church and proclaimed to the audience, you know, to the congregation, he says, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this, the greatest thing on earth is to have the love of God in your heart but the next greatest thing is to have electricity in your house. Okay? This is in 1940. And so as we fast forward to the year 2021, if you replace the word electricity with the word internet, history is repeating itself right now. Does everybody agree? I mean, it's, it's truth. And... We have a moment in American history right now where, quite candidly, we have the ability, our generation has the ability and really the responsibility to do what our grandfathers and grandmothers did in 1937. So Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1937 created the Rural Electrification Act. That's what created the electric co-ops, and that's what, that's what electrified um, the rural farmland. Can anybody imagine the United States today, had we not made that investment in 1937. It's, you can't even comprehend what the U.S. would look like. And it's, it's interesting, this book, and I encourage you all, for those of you that are history buffs and like to read up, this is a great book. It's seven, eight bucks. It was written in 1984. Um, as you flip through the pages, there's wonderful stories of farm life before and after electricity. And guess what? A lot of the same things were said way back when. They said it was too expensive to push electricity out to the rural farmers. Um, the public policy issues that came up, it was way too hard to get it done. Franklin Delano Roosevelt didn't get it done the first time. There's multiple things. So this book has become 
my Bible for the work that I do. Um, I flip through it all the time. I, I get lessons, historical lessons, and you can learn a lot. And I encourage you all to think about this moment in time and the responsibility we have. And as you think about your cities, um, you can't be known as a city with no internet. You can't be known as a town with no internet, right? If you have that reputation, guess what? Your phone doesn't even ring. So let me, let's, let me talk uh, a lot about some things. I need to give everybody a little bit of background. Um, I moved through this quickly yesterday, but I want to introduce some words so we can all talk more knowledgeably with our residents and um, people as you go along. I want to introduce three words, access, adoption, and use. When I use the word internet access, I'm talking about the ability to get physical infrastructure. This is the ability to get internet in your house. The word adoption is the choice that a resident or a business makes to um, subscribe to service, right? Because while electricity was important, let's remember electricity by and large was a monopoly. And any home within that service area had to get electricity from the same place. That's not true with internet. And the other thing is, is that the technology behind internet it changes every three years. You all know how rapidly, and that's also not true of electricity. So electricity from a technical platform stayed more consistent over time. So electricity, while is, we have a similar time, it's very different too. So access, adoption, use. So access is physical infrastructure. Adoption is the choice to subscribe. And the cloud, we're all in this room really lucky because we, I'm sure you all have wonderful access to the internet and there's all these cool things you can do. Uh, 25.3, some of you heard this lingo. This is really important for you to know because as we make investments from the state level, I'm only allowed to invest in areas that do not have 25.3. So you all need to know this topic. 25.3 is a download speed and an upload speed. And I want to give you kind of a little background on that. 25 megabits per second down. Um, let me share it this way. If you're a school student and you try to press play on a YouTube video, have you all experienced that spinning circle of death, right, where your videos don't play? So imagine being a student trying to do your homework and you have that spinning circle of death. It doesn't work, right? Also imagine being a doctor and you're trying to do a diagnosis and maybe do a prescription for your patient, you're not going to risk your medical license to deliver a diagnosis and a prescription if you can't talk to your patient. So 25-3 is the level by which a student can do their homework and we can do telecommunication or um, telehealth at home. So this is a big deal, and uh, that's what that means. Um, I shared this yesterday. Did anybody do their homework? Um, there's a free app you can get. I hope you all are wondering how you can um, test your own home and know how fast your own. I challenge everybody here to download this app. You don't necessarily have to do it right now, but when you go home, run a speed test on your host house and see how fast it goes. And the beautiful thing about this, we're doing something really unique in the state of South Carolina. Um, we're one of the only states in the U.S. where we Every time, literally, every time you all run a speed test, our maps get smarter. So uh, it's really cool technology. I've, been, I've spent the last two years building it, and um, other states are actually coming to us and asking for help now, so it's really neat. I want to show you this map. Um, 
This map is available to you all. I'll tell you how you can get it in a minute. But this map, especially in the dark areas, those are areas of our state where we have a lot of fiber. Um, that's, um, there's some surprising areas. You all will notice Abbeville. The whole town of Abbeville was built on fiber. They, they've had a very visionary um, program in 2008, and every single home in Abbeville County has fiber to the home. It's an amazing story. Colleton County, you will notice, has dark fiber, um, has, has fiber areas. Uh, Horry County has a rich fiber resource. Uh, Newberry, these guys know, Newberry's got a lot of fiber going on. And so fiber's the top of the food chain. Uh, that determines how fast you can go. And I also want you to pay attention to the pink areas on the map. The pink areas are where the residents live, and I know this is a little hard to see, these residents of our state, and this is the thing that keeps me up at night, is thinking about the six-year-olds that cannot get internet in their house. Um, you all, if, if we take 10 years to get this done, we're going to have a whole generation of kids that are unemployable. It's hard to comprehend a single um, occupation today that is not impacted by technology in some way, shape, or form. 10 years from now, I can't comprehend a single job that won't be touched. So y'all, we gotta get after this. This is our moment. And those pink areas on the map are where you cannot get internet at any cost, okay? This is the access word I was talking about. Um, speeds, speeds are really important. And I'm gonna talk more about this in a second. But I can't make, at the state level, I cannot make an investment in a census block unless that area is less than 25.3. So guess what, we have to have a really good mapping team and I promise you we're building the best in the US right now. Um, I'm gonna show you a little example of some work I did in Richland County. Um, and I know our Newberry colleagues are gonna tell you about some stuff they're doing, but I, I shared this yesterday, Richland County, uh, you can see the black areas, that's where we have fiber. The blue areas are where we have cable but less than 20 minutes from the state house, you cannot get internet. Y'all, I live there, it's my home county, and it's embarrassing. We're gonna fix it, and um, I want you all to get after your own communities, and I'm gonna help you do it as, to the extent possible, but I need you to all know this stuff, because I, I can't do it from Columbia alone, so that's why I need you all to be um, up to speed on this topic. So. What we did, if you look in lower Richland County, for those of you that have been down to the Eastover, Gadsden area, Congaree National Park, how many of you have been to Congaree National Park? So you know it's tough to get internet down there right now. So we did something fun. Um, you'll notice that I've broken up Richland County into eight boxes, target areas. And I have done this for every county in the state, and I'm a, I'll show you this. But I have analytics for everybody. My job as a state official is to make you all smarter and to deliver what I call actionable intelligence. So in the next few months, you all are going to get a map of your counties, and I'm going to tell you exactly how many people are there and exactly how many houses are there and exactly how many people do not have Internet. And this is an attempt to help you all get smarter so you can prioritize. Um, and then you'll notice the blue area, um, the, the blue contrast that I just popped up. 
This is a water and sewer project in Lower Richland County. And how many of you ever heard the term dig once? Anybody? Pretty simple. If you're going to dig up a road, we might as well do a couple things at the same time. So guess what? If you dig up a road, you have an opportunity to not only solve water and sewer, you also have an opportunity to improve. Um, you can drop conduit in the same trench, and you can make that same trench ready for fiber. And it's a cardinal sin in this day and age to open up a trench and not provision telecommunications at the same time. The next time you dig up a sidewalk to make it look pretty, you better be putting down conduit. And I would encourage everybody here that any kind of, any time you're digging up anything to make it look pretty, you should always ask the question from this point forward, if you haven't already done so, how can I make telecom better for my community? And if you want 5G in your downtowns, well, guess what? 5G is not coming to your downtown unless you have fiber there. It doesn't work. So um, get after this and, and, and learn how to do it. Um, I told you I would, would share. We, we put together the nation's first broadband map store. It's called SC Digital Drive. And you all can go out there right now and you can pull down maps of your county. You can pull down statewide maps and this will show you where the areas of need are in your county. Um, all of the maps are free. We're simply using a uh, Shopify digital store for you know this because it only costs the state $35 a month. <laughs> right? So we're using some off-the-shelf technology um, this is what innovation is all about, is doing smart things and, and making your lives a little bit better. So, by the way, when you, when you drop a map into your shopping cart and you check out, that map will come to you in the format of a PowerPoint slide. So for the, those of you that might need to do a presentation tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, you can drop those PowerPoint slides in your deck and you're good to go. Okay? So that's the whole point of it. Um, the state is now, as of July 1st, we have officially a broadband office. So I'm the first director, and I have the honor to be the director of the broadband office. And I am incredibly proud to be part of the South Carolina Office of Regulatory Staff. That's my state agency home. Um, the state of South Carolina was never in the broadband game until June 24, 2020, when the governor signed Act 142 and CARES Act money began going into broadband. So we started with $50 million. We did, uh, had $30 million targeted for um, broadband direct installation to uh, homes. We had $20 million targeted for uh, student MiFi hotspots. Some of you probably didn't know that the Office of Regulatory Staff, my agency, had to deliver 92,000 student MiFi hotspots to our students. Because if you didn't have internet at home, the only way we could do it was with a MiFi hotspot. Um, most recently, and I'm going to click through these next slides because I want my Newberry friends to tell you about the special work they're doing, but um, I'm really totally proud of the Rural Broadband Grant Program. We just announced this on July 13th. Um, I was in collaboration with the South Carolina Department of Commerce. We were challenged to deploy $30 million, but we're also challenged to maximize the impact of state money, 
federal money and private sector match for the benefit of South Carolina citizens. I'm going to show you this map. Um, in the lower right-hand corner, you can see the eligible counties. They were determined by the South Carolina General Assembly. We had 14 counties. And um, I'm going to click this slide. The blue areas represent federal investment. The yellow areas in, uh, represent state investment. You can kind of see those highlights coming up. And um, this represents $120 million total investment in 14 of the highest need counties in the state of South Carolina. So pay attention to this slide for a minute. This slide now shows the map as it appears in October of 2022. So this is a future look of the state. And that's my job now is to manage what the state looks like 18 months from now, kind of rolling, staying ahead of the game. So every time we make an investment, I can't make another investment in that same area, so I have to take something off the table. But we're managing this data to census block level. This is really hard. Um, I want to, I showed you some target areas. Remember those red boxes? Guess what? We've broken up the state into 556 target areas. Every county has a set of targets. And we all learned back in grade school, how do you solve, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. So we have 556 target areas in the state. Um, each one of those, my job is to provide you all with analytics for each one of those boxes. They're all 36 square miles. They're each, six mile by six mile square is what those boxes are. And it's a way to prioritize, and it's a way to get the job done for our six-year-olds that have nothing. So. I'm going to uh, conclude with this slide and um, just want you to know that uh, I count on all of you to know this topic really well. It's very technically hard to understand um, and the money challenges are, are difficult. It's expensive. One mile of fiber underground costs $40,000. One mile of fiber in the air on telephone poles costs $28,000. It gets really expensive really fast to deploy um, fiber to rural residents, you know, sparsely populated areas, and that's where state and federal subsidy comes in. That's the only way we can change the economics. Um, so it's very hard to do this stuff. But I do have a training program. I'm not going to talk about it today, but for those of you that might be interested in uh, getting a group of your community members together, we can do this efficiently. And, um, and get you all up to speed and turn you into what I call broadband community champions. So thank you all for your time this morning. Um, hopefully we'll have some time for questions. And I want to let uh, my Newberry friends take over. And All right, good morning, everyone. Appreciate y'all sticking with us uh, through breakfast this morning, the awards presentation, to hear a little bit about what we're doing at Newberry. And uh, they've asked me to sort of come and set the stage for uh, the presentation that's about to follow. And uh, I'll do that by telling you two stories, because I'm, I'm a story guy. I like to hear stories that make things connect for me. And what I'll start with is uh, basically the story of what's to come next in that book is exactly the story of the city of Newberry. A hundred years ago, the city of Newberry was a, a municipal uh, area that really lacked electricity and needed that resource to, to sort of take the town to the next level. And at that time, the providers that were around said, you know what, Newberry's not big enough. They don't need electricity. 
what our local leaders, our councils decided we do. We, we, need that, we need that resource. We need to bring that to our citizens because it's going to allow Newberry to thrive and survive. And they did that. So we were one of the first municipal electric providers in the state. Fast forward 100 years later, uh, just, just as the story was told by Jim, uh, a great story, um, we're in the same position. We're sitting here looking at each other going, we need broadband. And uh, one of the stories I always tell, the mayor was having lunch in downtown Newberry and he was approached by a resident. And I'm sure a couple of you have had this exact same situation happen to you. And a local pharmacist who was required to fill so many prescriptions per hour online in order to, to fulfill his job responsibilities, walked up to the mayor and said, Mayor, hope you're enjoying your lunch. I may have to move. That's a, that's a great introduction and uh, the mayor sort of you know, puts his fork down and says, well, tell me about it, what's going on? And uh, this pharmacist said, well, my job requires me to fill so many prescriptions per hour in order to fulfill my job responsibilities, and I'm not able to do that at this time because of the, the level of Internet service that's currently being provided. And we had the, uh, the, the, the typical uh, folks uh, servicing our area, and uh, we, we approached those guys, the incumbents, and, and we said, look, you know, here's the, here's the vision Newberry has. We'd like to build a fiber network, and we'd like for you to light it up. You've already got customers in the area. We think it could be a good partnership. We'll take on the responsibility of the overhead, building the system, maintaining the system. We need you to come in and help us light it up. Vis-a-vis uh, -vis state law, that's not something municipalities could do. So we partnered with the, with the group in the end, uh, in WC Fiber. Uh, I think Jim mentioned Abbeville. They're, they're one of the folks that helped light up Abbeville. Uh, they're currently lighting up Green, Greenwood. And uh, we were fortunate enough to, to, to coax them into Newberry and, and create a relationship with them, and it's been very good for us. So uh, before we get into the nuts and bolts and how we made it happen, uh, I wanted to share those stories with you because I think it, it sort of sets the tone for, for the reason why. Because that's what most people ask us when we had that conversation is, why would the city want to do something like this? And to be completely honest with you, uh, we don't really want to get involved with things that other folks can bring to the community and provide through private business. Uh, had we had the, the level of internet service we needed and, and could provide it at a, at a competitive price, which we feel like we're doing right now, we probably wouldn't have ventured down this road. But, uh, you know, we're all here trying to figure out how to solve our community's needs, and this was a huge need for us. And what I want you to hear me say today is, is don't be discouraged by the limitations and the naysayers. You're going to have people tell you why you can't do it. Uh, in the city of Newberry, we found 10,000 reasons why we should do it, and that's our residents. Uh, so there may be a million reasons why not to, but if you can find the 10,000 right reasons to do it, I encourage you to pursue it with vigor and passion. So uh, a as we continue on down the road, I'm going to turn this over to uh, Mr. Tim Baker, and we'll sort of go from the vision and storytelling uh, to the let's see here to the strategy. Thank you so much. My name is Tim Baker. I'm the utility director for the city of Newberry. Um, a lot of you know football coach Lou Holtz. He used to say something, and I'm going to paraphrase, so I'm sure I'm not going to get it exactly right, but on Sundays he would look at his opponent for the upcoming week, and he didn't see any way he could possibly win. But then by Friday, you know, looking at the same opponent, he didn't see any way he could possibly lose, and, and that's a lot how I feel like this project went for me personally. Um, Matt shared the vision, the vision of council with me. I didn't really want to do it. I didn't have a burning desire to, 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 to try to build a fiber network. I thought it was overwhelming. Um, you know, it was something that wasn't, wasn't our expertise. It wasn't something 
that we traditionally had done, but the need was so great in our community. You know, he mentioned 25.3 earlier. Well, that is the definition of high-speed internet, but anyone in this room knows 25.3 is not high-speed internet service, not in today's world. So it just didn't work. We had people with ring doorbells that wouldn't function properly because um, they didn't have fast enough internet, and that's just unacceptable. Um, like Matt said, first we began with uh, talking to the incumbents. We didn't want to compete with, with these private businesses. If they were providing a great service at a good price and, and our, our, our citizens were happy with them, then, then there would be no need to get into the business. Uh, as you know, these were large national companies and they had no desire to, to, um, to work with us much at all. You know, the government relations people said, sure, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can when we can, but uh, nothing came of it. Uh, and we just decided in Newberry we weren't going to let these investor-owned companies decide which cities in our state win and which cities lose. You know, we, we were going to do it on our own. Um, so we began, David and I, uh, we started attending broadband conferences. We went to one in Atlanta, went to a couple other meetings, looked at some online stuff, tried to gather information about who was out there. Uh, WC Fiber came up. Uh, Coincidentally, I was the utility director in Abbeville before I came to, to Newberry, so I knew, knew some of those guys. I, I called them and I said, you know, is there any possibility? And they said, absolutely. They, they at the time, had, had completed Abbeville County. They were going into Greenwood County. They're, they're around the city of Greenwood now. Um, they're down in Georgia, so they're doing a lot of, lot of different areas. They just partnered with uh, Blue Ridge Electric Co-op to do upcountry fiber uh, in the upstate. So. Um, but at the time, they, they were looking for a project. This was a win-win for us and them, so, so they said absolutely. Um, and what we had to have, we have an open access network. So other people can apply to get onto our network. It's not just one company. But um, we had to have that anchor tenant. The last thing we wanted to do was build a dark fiber network and nobody's interested in serving it. No, no quality company's interested in serving it. So um, you know, we had to have that anchor tenant, so luckily WC Fiber was there. Um, then we performed a, a, a business plan and revenue sufficiency analysis. We wanted to make sure that we had the, the, the money to do it, uh, that we wouldn't, wouldn't stress our, our system too much by doing that. And, and luckily, you know, we do have a municipal electric system, so we had reserve funds in place to, to do that. Um, we contracted with attorneys at the federal level. We wanted to know what the FCC thought about this. Uh, then we found uh, a top telecommunications attorney at the state level. Most of us have bond attorneys. You know, there are a handful of big firms that probably do just about everybody. So one of those firms will have a telecommunications specialist. Uh, that was probably the most helpful. We got an opinion from him. Uh, in addition, he helped us draft our contracts. You know, we, we thought at first, should we run this as a utility? Well, if we ran it as a utility, it would have had to have gone to a referendum. Uh, so he advised us the best way to do it, and, and that's really what we did. Uh, was for an economic development reason. So the city actually uh, borrowed the money from the utility fund to construct the system, and then they're paying that back, and, and paying it back pretty quickly now uh, with the penetration rate that we've been able to, uh, to uh, reach. But we didn't want to violate any laws or policies or anything like that. Um, and then, I mentioned in the video, um, you know, we are a municipal electric utility. There are 21 of us in the state. I know they're, they're, that's not many. There are, what, two, 300 cities and towns in the state. So. Uh, very few of you have municipal electric systems either directly or through a CPW. Um, so, you know, then, then we, we had to find a partner. Find partners uh, is, is, is what we had to do. 
we, we, you know, we found WC. They were a long-serving uh, telephone cooperative uh, network management service provider. If you do not have a municipal electric system, um, I recommend you know you, you look at your co-ops, your investor-owned utilities. Uh, like was mentioned earlier, by, by using your overhead assets that are already in place, it really reduces the, uh, the cost to you. So, so that was a, a definitely a benefit for us. Uh, we contracted with a regional engineering firm. Uh, we have a lot of um, uh, electrical engineers who were like, hey, I can do that. You know, uh, let us do that for you. Well, we wanted a firm that does nothing but, but, but uh, plans and builds fiber optic networks. Uh, we didn't want somebody to do this as a, as a, as a side, side thing that they're, was outside of their wheelhouse. Um, the city already owned and maintained about 17 miles of fiber that we used for, for utility purposes. And the initial thought was, hey, we'll use that and, and, and build off of that and build this network. Uh, we quickly figured out that it was better just to build a network from the ground up. And, and we did it with growth in mind. So um, as new neighborhoods are coming to our community, new businesses, uh, we already have the uh, capacity there, there to serve them without having to do any upgrades. Um, the system is completely redundant. We have two feeds that come into our community. One of the major telecoms just, just this week experienced a cut uh, between uh, Chapin and Prosperity and believe it or not, a lot of primary systems and, and even people who had secondary backups. Uh, they, were, they were all down because they used one pipe to, to, to get everything out of, out of the, uh, the area. Um, we did not hook up the first customer until we had redundant feeds. Uh, anybody's going to have an outage from time to time. There's no, there's no getting out of that. But uh, you, do, you do everything you can to, to reduce or eliminate that. And having those redundant feeds uh, really helps. So I'm sure we're signing up more customers uh, in the coming week because of that. Um, we, we reduced our construction time. It was mentioned during the video. Initially, we looked at a three-year construction time. Uh, because of some of the fixed costs that are associated with a build-out like this, um, uh, you know, mostly engineering fees, we decided to do it in one year. We actually finished in about 14 months, so, so we were pretty close to our, to our goal. And uh, we, f for probably 90, 95% complete by March of last year, which is pretty significant because Made us, made us look like we, we, we were sort of geniuses there, but it was, it was really by accident, but we finished just as the COVID was coming on. So we were able to get a lot of our community served uh, with high-speed internet. We feel like it could easily be duplicated, especially, like I said, for electricities, um, you know, maybe co-op or investor-owned utilities. Uh, a lot of co-ops are already doing it. So um, if you're in an area that's served by a co-op or, or or an investor-owned utility, maybe you can partner with them. Uh, last week, or three weeks ago today, on, on July the 3rd, if, if you're a member of the National League of Cities, you received an email, and, and there was a story in there called Golden's Bold Broadband Plan. Uh, Golden, Colorado, I had the opportunity to visit Golden about four or five years ago, and Golden's a beautiful city, you know, just outside of Denver on the edge of the mountains, and my initial uh, take was, you know, it's, it's a prosperous, uh, progressive community. Well, in the email we got three weeks ago, their plan is just to build a fiber ring, the first phase of the project. And they're saying it could take them as long as till, till 2026 and cost them $2 million, which I, you know, I think is slow and, and, and very extremely slow. So in Newberry, we have the Newberry plan. Um, and we, we were able to get it done a lot, lot quicker. 
um, uh, you know, at what we felt was an affordable cost. So what do you have to do to get this done? Um, you know, citizens. You know, your citizens have to demand it, and, and, and the citizens deserve it. So, um, you know, we, we felt like it was something much like electricity that, that's a necessity. It's not just entertainment anymore. Our mayor and council, they championed it. I mean, they were calling. Every time we'd see them, they'd say, how's the project going? You know, where are you at? Uh, how's it coming? So, so they were hearing from the citizens, and, and they championed it. Our leadership team nurtured and facilitated the build-out. Our staff and contractors, you know, they performed. Uh, rarely do you have a construction project that goes very smoothly, but, but this really did. I mean, it, it was the easiest construction project I've ever been involved with. Um, and at the end of the day, everyone had a role. Uh, let's see if I can figure this out. All right, uh, the, this is the pricing, and I think this is what really brings it home here. Um, 200 by 200 internet, 40 bucks a month. Uh, with ta I, that's what I have at my house with taxes and everything. It's about 40, $41. I mean, there's no hidden fees. There's no crazy uh, contracts or anything like that. It's, it's essentially 40 bucks a month for 200 by 200. People come to us all the time, and they're like, what speed should I have? You can go to a website called uh, gigupnewberry.com, and, and, you know, it, it'll, it'll help you with that. But I recommend it to everyone, get the 200 by 200. You know, buy the, buy the least expensive thing you can. Um, I have two teenagers at home, a wife. Um, we have Roku's in every room. We're streaming TV. We're checking our cell phones. We're, uh, I look at every, all my stuff on a tablet. So we are heavy Internet users in the 200 by 200. The buffering issue you were talking about, I mean, that's not a thing for me. So, um, you know, life is good there. Um, but if you need more, you know, you can do the 500 by 500 for 60 bucks or, or gigabit for 80 bucks. Um, that's extremely affordable, extremely uh, cheap. The company we deal with, when you have an, a problem, an issue, you know, you call them. Um, and somebody's out to your house generally within an hour or so, seeing what, 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 you're, what you're dealing with. The person you talk to on the phone is like you're talking to your, you know, a family member. I mean, that's the way they treat you. You know, some, some of these large companies... Um, have extremely poor reputations, and, and, and the company that, that's the anchor tenant on our system is a company that you would want to deal with if you had an issue. So, so that's been like a breath of fresh air for us and, and all of our citizens. Uh, Facebook, everybody you know, gets the Facebook post. You know, I, I run a water, electric, sewer system, so if there's a power outage, you know, you hear about it, I'm sure in your community, citizens say things on Facebook. That's, you know, I call it the modern day CB radio. That's how everybody gets everything out. You know how refreshing it is to look at Facebook and hear praise? I mean, it, with this system, and, and Alyssa has, or Alyssa's our social media uh, uh, staff member, but uh, she has all these Facebook clippings where people are like, hey, I have great, I'm moving to the community, what should I do? And, and people are just championing this thing. It's, like, it's, it's really like, like something you've ne I've never seen. So anyway, it's amazing. Um, Dave is going to talk into a little bit about the tactics, how the actual build-out went. Uh, but, you know, one thing I will say while I'm up here is, is the city of Newberry, if any of you are seriously considering doing something like this, our doors open, call us, come by. Uh, we'll certainly share any experiences we've had with you. Okay. Good morning. My name is David Eldridge. I'm the assistant utility director at Newberry, but my primary responsibility is actually the information technology for the city. <clears throat> uh, 
Um, so we're going to talk about four things. We're going to talk about uh, business model planning, engineering planning, <clears throat> um, construction, and results. Let me get my notes out here. So the business uh, model planning, uh, when we initially selected WCTEL, um, they gave us an individual to start doing the negotiations with. Uh, his name was Russell Clark. He was a great, a great asset for the city. And it took us about six weeks to hammer out what the business model was going to look like. Um, during that time, um, we had several back and forth, um, both as a city and as uh, the company WCTEL. And um, the city was able to express some of the things they wanted to see. Um, they wanted to see not just access, but they wanted to see a company that would be involved with the community, that would deliver some ancillary services, not necessarily for a revenue-generating reason, but just for a, a social benefit reason for the city. And WCTEL um, stepped up to the plate on all of those. And just as an aside, um, during the COVID um, issue, uh, WCTEL came to the city and set up um, Wi-Fi hotspots um, for free uh, for the kids to come. They would park in some of the parking lots at the technical college or uh, the parking lot by the opera house, and they could get on the internet, do their homework, and then go home. Um, so those are kind of some of the services we've gotten. One of the other things that happened was uh, we opened a new splash pad, and uh, DHEC requires an emergency phone there. Well, we didn't have any any assets to uh, get the phone up and working. So we called WCTEL, and lo and behold, within a day, they had an emergency phone up and working for us. So they really do step up and help us. They've been an excellent partner. <clears throat> um, so once uh, the negotiations were done, we, we, uh, we had to build a business model. Uh, it was a lot of spreadsheet work. <laughs> um, and then the, the issue was we had to entice city council to understand the spreadsheets and the business models. <clears throat> and um, it, it, was a, it was an interesting experience for me personally. Uh, in my background, um, you know, you'd negotiate the deal, you do the business model, you present it to the executive vice president, and he signs off on it and you go away <clears throat> and do it. Um, in this case, it was a very interactive process. Um, the mayor wanted to see uh, what would happen if we changed the take rates um, to 25% and 35%? Would the city recoup its funds? Well, we found out that, yes, the city would recoup its funds. It would just take, you know, 27 years instead of the 12 years we had thought. <clears throat> so our business model actually used a 50% take rate, um, or an adoption rate, if you want to call it that. Um, and I think we're going to probably exceed that uh, up to the 60 to 65% rate probably within the next 24 months. Um, so we presented it to, uh, to council. Um, I guess you guys voted on it. I don't know. Um, I, wouldn't, I wasn't there in that executive session, and uh, it was accepted, and um, um, we were cleared to start construction. But the next thing we had to do, and Tim alluded to it, uh, we had to go to the communications attorneys and let them beat it up. So that took about another six months of frustration. Um, I don't know how frustrated Tim was, but 
there were a few times when I would have just wanted to walk out of the room and scream. <coughs> um, once that was finished, we had to do another step. We had to go to the bond analyst to make sure that the, the, the bonds wouldn't uh, violate any of the covenants um, and that our interest rates wouldn't be affected. Um, all of this stuff was completely foreign to me. Um, I came from a commercial background, um, and you don't do any of this stuff <coughs> for a project. So once we, uh, we finished with the bond analyst, we got the final go-ahead um, from the city attorney, and that's when we started to do the engineering, planning, and design. <coughs> the company we selected for that was a company named Byers Engineering, and they specialize in communications, uh, communications design work. Um, what we wanted to do was we wanted to have an overall plan for the city and then we wanted to be able to take that plan and carve it into smaller portions. We wanted to carve it into four portions. Um, so the first part of the plan was to design and build uh, the trunk ring that Tim alluded to um, around the city. So our trunk ring is about 27 miles of 288 fiber. Um, it has, a, uh, it has two access points, one out the east side of the city that goes into Columbia and one out the back side of the city that goes into Abbeville. And at any point in time, if the trunk ring gets hit, we can actually reverse the traffic on the trunk ring. So we've got great redundancy. Um, the other thing we did was we, uh, <coughs> we, we built a beta area or a test area to make sure that we could do it. Now, I will tell you that we selected the absolute worst part of the city to do the test area in. Um, if I could go back and do it again, um, I don't know if I'd have the guts to, to do that. So we picked the historic core of downtown Newberry, which has an incredible amount of restrictions on it, and we, we, we built the first part of the fiber uh, project there. Um, so most of it was underground, um, and there's 200 years worth of city services underground in Newberry. It was like dodging bullets underground. <clears throat> it, was, it was amazing. The other thing that I didn't know at the time was we had an architecture review board, which I didn't really know what that meant. <clears throat> Um, until one day I got a call from the gentleman who ran planning and zoning and said, we need to have a chat. And I'm like, okay, what, what's up, Ward? And he's like, you put a cabinet um, right on the edge of the historic zone. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And he's like, well, you should have gone to the ARB to ask permission to do that. And I'm like, well, how close am I to the historic zone? He's like, well, you're about six feet out. And I was like, so I'm not in the historic zone. I'm six feet out, so I don't have to come to the ARB. And he, and he said, well, it would have been nice had you come. And I was like, okay. So, um, so I've got to learn all these wonderful things. So as I said, we, uh, we went ahead and we cut up the major contract into four portions. So for the actual construction, um, what we did was we had a north zone, the northeast, south, and west. And we went, we started in the north zone and we went clockwise around the city. And we did that for two reasons. One was we wanted transparency for the construction. So each month for city council meetings, we would present to city council what quadrant we were in, where we were at at that particular point in time, and how construction was going. Um, 
And because we took a measured approach like that, we knew that, that it would be transparent to the city residents as well. Um, they could basically kind of figure out within a couple months when the internet was going to be available to them. So we didn't have to deal with issues such as you're only going to the affluent parts of the city first so that they can make money and that kind of stuff. We really were able to say, this is the way it's going to go. It's the rational way to do it. And uh, uh, it's easier to manage that way. So in the end, we ended up hanging about 165 miles of fiber. Uh, there's fiber to every home and every business in the city um, that wants it. Um, the city owns everything uh, that's in the air for the distribution of the internet. And then when it comes down the pole, there's a little block at the bottom of the pole and the, uh, the company providing the internet service owns from that point down to the house or down to the resident, or down to the business. <clears throat> and that's worked out really well for us. Um, so let's see. So as for the results, at this point, uh, as per the business model, we're about 10% ahead of sales projections for the internet access. Um, we've got about a 36% total take rate between 36 and 40%. It, it's a little dicey to figure out these days. Um, and at this point, um, I, can, I can think that we'll be at 65% in about 18 to 24 months. So, and that's it.